We're going back to our roots this week uh, because four years ago or five years ago, Renew started off um, as a home group in the living room of our house. And uh, since then, we've gone through a lot of uh, transitions, a lot of forms and wineskins and shapes. And uh, we like to go back to our roots sometimes because um, it's good to remember where you come from. And it's also good to, to know that uh, we're not dependent on our structures necessarily to make us confident or make us comfortable, uh, but to have that kind of openness and vulnerability uh, by keeping in, in touch with our roots and our connectionality. And so that's, and also it's a function of the uh, community center being closed. <laughs> so we had the adjustment. Thanks for the nose for opening up their house and, uh, for us and so uh that's good and we're all in here and we're intimate and tight so uh let's talk about the word of god amen um i was wondering if people brought their bible or their bible apps because i want to read through this uh genesis chapter 2 verse 4 to the end of chapter 2 uh 25 um if we can just take turns whoever volunteers to read a few verses 2 4 through 25 is the word of the Lord. Uh, so we're in the second week of our Genesis series, and uh, as I say that, I'm overwhelmed because Genesis is an enormous book, and but I just committed to doing a series on it, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But uh, And it's a beautiful book, and the first two chapters are really examples of the beauty of Scripture. I invite everyone to just read this book. Uh, these first two chapters over and over again because uh, we can't do it justice here. I can't even do, uh, uh, I wish I could speak a month on these chapters. There's so much and I'm just gonna emphasize a handful of things, uh, but Genesis is beautiful. And the thing that Genesis, I believe, is emphasizing is number one, God the creator. Who is God? It's answering the question, who is God? When you hear people preach about Genesis, one of the questions that come up is, oh, is he a biblical literalist? You know, does he believe in it as a myth or whatnot? Like, did God create the earth literally in six days or is one day at 10,000 years, you know, in the mind of God uh, and stuff like that? Or are you a creationist or are you an evolutionist? What is, what is your belief system? And one of the things that I, I wanted to say is that's the wrong question. That's the wrong question. The question is, who is this God? Who is this creator of the universe? Who is this God? Um, who will be the God of Israel? Who will be the God of the Holy Scriptures? Who will be the God of the covenant? Who will be our God? The reason why we're in this room worshiping. Who is this God that we're worshiping? The people are surrounded in the ancient Near East by other civilizations, other people who are worshiping a pantheon of gods. And... Many of these cultures had uh, different creation accounts, and these accounts are about uh, these pantheon of gods that are creating humanity, and they're jealous, and they're envious, and they're, there's strife, and there's warring, and there's just human, the worst of human emotions or moods are placed on these gods. Or um, when, when uh, we hear we're made in the image of God, um, in these stories in the ancient Near East, uh, there would be a king. Uh, and this king, um, his subjects would be made in the image of this king. 
And so uh, in the midst of all of these stories, this creation account rises up to say there's one true God. And this, this one true God isn't trying to use people uh, for his own sake, um, doesn't give to take back, but this is a loving, benevolent God that loves us. And so that's the first thing um, that we need to remember. And Genesis 1 is actually a hymn. It should be read like a song of praise, a hymn, because if you look at the repetition, and we talked about, and this is a lot of review, but we talked a lot about the ref repetition and, and the patterns in Genesis 1. And as we see patterns in nature, as we see patterns in the world, these patterns uh, point to us, uh, point to me at least, of a God who designs, a God who's creative, a God who uh, makes things amazingly. And um, if we look at the patterns in Genesis 1, uh, the first is, and God said, right? And God said, and then right after that, and it was done. And so we talked, we spoke about how God is the only person who says things, and it's done. His word is action. This is all the character of God. God's word has authority and power, right? God's word has uh, the ability to create. God's word can transform. God's word can take chaos and nothingness and bring order and system and boundaries and allow a create a safe space or uh, spaces for animals, for people to come in and fill those spaces and thrive. In the beginning, there was God. God was in the beginning. Uh, God speaks and it is done. Um, and then another pattern that we see is after God creates something, he speaks it, he creates it, he surveys it, and then he says, now that is good, right? So what God creates, God creates good things. God, And when he created humanity on the sixth day, he said, now that is very good. And we need to remember that as well that we're not mess we're not mistakes you know we're not uh, even though we've experienced brokenness or things aren't things don't go the way we planned or sin messes things up in our nature um, we're God's creation we're made in his image and we're good God sees us and he says you're very good um, amen yeah. amen uh, the other thing that we see is that God worked God worked. So this is pre-fall, right? Pre-serpent that God worked to bring about creation. Um, so theologically speaking, work, um, because God worked, we should know that work is a good thing, that work is a part of creation. Um, how did God work? God uh, worked to bring order in, from chaos, right? In the beginning, um, there was chaos, and the Spirit of God floated above um, the surface of the waters and he said let there be light and there was light so one of the pattern the patterns that you see developing in his creation is that he creates boundaries right he separates the light from the darkness he separates the uh, sea from the land he separates um, you know the waters on the earth from uh, the ground and in creating these lines these boundaries he actually creates spaces in which Creatures can thrive, right? And so he creates these empty spaces by using uh, boundaries and lines. 
and then he creates creatures and fills those spaces right with creatures and says be fruitful and be multiply in these spaces or have dominion in these spaces so even the sky or the nighttime the moon and the stars fill the night right and they rule over the night the sun rules over the day um, the fish in the sea the birds in the air right and the beasts and the creatures on the land so God works by taking chaos and bringing order and structure and boundaries and boundaries are important because they give identity to the other parts of his creation and give them role or this is where you inhabit this is where you live this is your space um, and that's important uh, and then God blesses and sends right he tells um, the fish to fill the ocean to fill their space that space that he's created to be fruitful and to multiply the birds are to be fruitful and multiply and then humanity is to be fruitful and multiply so God is a God who sends and blesses and his desire is that his world his creation and the creatures and humanity um, would thrive and would flourish and then finally, the thing that we glean from chapter one is that God rested, right? God worked and then God rested on the seventh day and he declared the seventh day holy, right? And so uh, another way to look at boundaries and lines and delineations is you, you see night and you see day and there was a day, the first day, night, day, the second day, night, day, the third day. Um, so he, he's separating the days, and then he separates uh, the days into a week, right? And on the seventh day, he rested. And so there's a rhythm and there's an order in, the net, in creation. Um, that's the way that God intended. Uh, and sometimes in our work weeks, we get overwhelmed, we get busy. And uh, I know for me, I get tons of emails or I have a lot to do and I get frantic. I tell my kids to shut up and... Um, I stress out, I'm, I'm short, uh, I road rage, I cut people off on the highway. Um, but all of these are kind of reactions or ref uh, kind of coming out of an urgency um, that's based on the rhythms of the world, right? The rhythms of our busy, hectic tyranny of the urgent world, um, rather than focusing on the rhythms that God um, had attended and so that's a that's a word of in itself when God says God rested on the seventh day uh, I think that means that we're not to be dependent on the world's schedule or the world's rhythms right even God rested so we need to stop and give a day make the Sabbath holy uh, and act in faith saying that it's not just work right that provides for us but God who provides for us and we can let go of our need to hurry or let go of our need to do this thing at, in this moment and step into uh, the rhythm I like to say the pasa doble right in our heart right that God has a beat right and say live in rhythm with me so God rested um, so now we're in chapter two and we're taking a second look and there's a lot of, you know, people uh, talk about this second chapter and, and wonder, is this, this is a second account of creation, 
right? And sometimes there's different orders in there. If you took everything literally, wait, weren't the birds formed before humanity? But here, like, humanity's first and then the creatures. Does that contradict things? And so people wonder, man, is this, you know, the second creation, the second, the second day? Is it a contradiction? Is it written by two different people or different sources? Traditionally, people think Genesis and the whole Pentateuch was written by Moses. Um, there's other people who use source criticism to say, oh, there are two different, there are many different sources for Genesis. There's the priestly, there's the Yahweh. We don't need to get into that. But I think what you have in Genesis 1 is kind of a zoomed out universal view of the creator God, right, and creation. And then Genesis 2, the creation count, you see that zooming in. So you, you have that roller on your mouse, right? And you're looking at a picture and you want to see, oh, who's that person right there? You roll your mouse, right? And it zooms in the picture. Or you want to see if, you know, that blemish on your face is showing up. So you're zooming in on the picture. Oh, what do I look like, right? Scripture is zooming in on the story of humanity, right? Who, who we are as people. So we've talked about who God is. It's very theocentric in chapter one. And then the story zooms in on the story of humanity and humanity's relationship to creation and then humanity's relationship to God. Amen. Um, the one thing I, that I found interesting is that the name for God in chapter one is Elohim, right? The Hebrew word Elohim, which basically is God, the creator, right? universal God the creator and then the second chapter um, what's what's used is uh, Yahweh which is the God of the covenant so we see in that transition or actually he uses both in chapter 2 yeah Yahweh God right Lord God um, the creator God and the God of the covenant so what you see in, in the zooming in what connects the two is we're moving from the the universal story of creation to beginning to talk about the story of God and his love for humanity, the history of people, um, the God of the covenant, the God we'll see later in Genesis who loves his people and the creation and the way that he set things forth uh, gets messed up, people run astray, people sin, right? God continues to come back over and over again wanting to recreate, recreate, make covenant, restore covenant, renew, restore, and he's doing that in our lives today, in our world today, right? Things are messed up. Things are broken. You read your blogs. You read your, you watch the news, and you see how broken the world is. You see how much war there is. You see how much violence there is. And you see um, how much hurt there is. And yet God is at work to, desiring to continue to restore creation. He's the God of the covenant. Um, so Elohim and Yahweh, so the second look, who is this man? Who is this, uh, who is man and what is our relationship with creation um, and with God? The other thing that you'll notice, uh, this word in Hebrew is uh, toledat. So in, in verse four, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they're created. The Hebrew word is toledat. And this word can be found all through Genesis. Basically, it's it's the account 
or the generations. These are the generations, or these are. This is the account. And in our passages, this is the account of the heavens and the earth. Throughout Genesis, this is the genealogy. This is the account. This is the history. And what you'll get following the Toledot phrase is either one of two things: either a genealogy, or you'll get a larger narrative. Right? You'll get the story of Joseph, for instance, or the story of Abraham, for instance. So. The writer says, this is the account, this is the Toledot of, boom. And then you'll get a narrative or you get a genealogy. And so that's why people see this as a whole, Genesis as a whole, like the creation account and the stories in Genesis are connected. They're connected because it's the story or the account of God and his love for his people. And and this is the history, it's a history story, but it's also a love story. Are you with me? And so uh, verse 4 says, this is the count of the heavens and the earth when they were created. Um, and it's basically saying this is the result of all of chapter 1, this creation story. This is the result of it, and the result of it is this more specific, intimate story of the creation of humanity. God is, creates humanity and creates us for... A, and blesses us for two purposes and that's we see that in chapter one is he blesses us to be fruitful and to multiply and he puts us in the garden what to protect and to steward to serve is actually the word to steward and then to protect to be fruitful and to multiply and i've reduced that to to work right we're we're made to work and, and multiply, you see at the end of chapter 2, marriage, right? Marriage, uh, God talks about marriage and multiplying. Um, but I wanted to stop and ask you guys, uh, if you look at this passage, what are some of the things that stand out to you? Um, and uh, something that maybe you haven't seen before or... Um, are you thinking about or there's a question in your mind like what about this what's up with this um, I love the start where it talks about how there weren't these things that no shrubs appeared mm -hmm. no plant had sprung up and then it gives you the because it says because mm -hmm. God had not sent rain on the earth because there was no one to work the gap because God mm -hmm. had not provided for me to work the ground I just, I just love that it starts out with sort of this, um, you know, this and, like, this is what it was, and it's because of what God needed to do, and kind of sets the stage for all of this being because of what God has done. Right. I like the fact that God gave us a purpose on this earth. It wasn't mm -hmm. like God created animals, then he named them. <laughs> then you named them, and that was their name. Yeah. Which it's like when you name your child, that's their name. It does. And just think about, I mean, I, I know no one sits with all the scriptures here, but it really talks about, I guess, it's just why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. And it's interesting to me, mm. like, what is it about 
then God uh, requires a part of us, a piece of our who we are, and he and he purposely places it somewhere. He says he defines us, and he says, "Now come into this place mm. that I have that I brought you." And so it speaks to my heart about not just the marriage between a man and a woman, but you know. That God, He's a He's a master designer, mm-hmm. and He's He's intentional in what He does, yeah. and He's a creator. You know, He He determines our steps, and so we can we can really trust when He takes part of us. Like whether it's your heart being called somewhere, and you ask the Lord, you seek Him, and He, he says, "Yes, it's what I have for you." Mm-hmm. We we can feel confident, just like Peter did in stepping off the boat. It's a walk of faith, stepping out, going into the place that God called us to be. It's good. Thinking about this breath and how you know God said for all creation, He said, "Let there be light, let there be water, separating that." But for man, He breathed life into it. Mm-hmm. So, so there's the intention, and there's that clear impartation of His, mm-hmm. His will, His character. Mm-hmm. What do you see as like the distinction between people and creatures? Yeah, he's giving a part of himself to. Mm. He gave, you could put it in time. He gave a part of himself to create, create us. So there's intentionality, and I mean, drawing parallels, but not to overdo it. Also, the same way that the spirit comes into us, yeah. and the way we give ourselves back to God and say, "Well, we are yours. We just went and gave you." And then the spirit fills us as that deposit or as that yeah. that, that new life. You see that in John 22, Jesus with the disciples, he commissions disciples by, it says he breathed his spirit onto them and then he sends them out. So it's kind of like a a commissioning and a benediction is Jesus breathing the spirit into them. And it's connected to this image that God and breathing life into humanity is also sending humanity into his purposes, right? To fill the land. Anyone else? Maybe this. I like how in this chapter um, there's a like really specific account. Like it's all a big account of creation, but it's all like different. Describing um, the river that flowed out of Eden, yeah. it's like a really specific account, <laughs> like a roadmap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was cool. Yeah. What do you take from that? Um, yeah, I, I kind of thought of it as like a um, like a roadmap, so that when when Genesis is being told to people who um, like are born. Mm-hmm. Like they can know where they're from. 
they have a place instead of um, instead of just like these action accounts. Mm -hmm. Like there's a location yeah. where they can connect to. I think that's a really cool point, an interesting point, because so Genesis is essentially a history of a specific people, right? A covenant people. And so you take Genesis 1, which is this grand, like, universal story. And right here in chapter 2, there's a transition to, you know, a more specific story of people. But also, as the story progresses, it's going to be about, you know, a specific people. And that, that kind of geography, you know, places it as a historical account as well, like, there's just like Jesus was a Jew and that's important like he was born in a certain place in time that that's essential and important like God's this story is coming from a place in the world uh, there's a lot written on it but somewhere in the Middle East <laughs> <laughs> Even though they sound the same. Yeah. Yeah. There's still some ambiguity about that. Yeah. 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 That was bordering on blasphemous, but uh, (laughs) we welcome it. At the risk of being as liberal as my parents. I I think when people talk about like creation and evolution or creation and science or the Bible and science, uh, it's fascinating that uh, the like some some myths from some places you read them, and it's like uh, a flying polar bear came and landed on the top of a tree. But this is like these days, like the first humans were like by the Tigris and the Euphrates River, and he's saying like the guy was made out of dirt and like. If I went back in time to tell ancient to explain evolution to the ancient Israelites, this would be a pretty good explanation. Like it's not. Uh, uh, I, I know some people don't view it that way, but it's like a. Uh, I don't know. It sounds. It's. Uh, Epic. West is Eden for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I play that specific. It's, it's cool. It's like, 
it was interesting to me in, in studying and reading through this where the first chapter is kind of a skeleton, a lattice. Uh, chapter two in of itself is literally breathing flesh onto the skeleton um, and we see more specific things. But in chapter one, everything was good. But, you know, in chapter two, there are some deficiencies or, you know, everything is not necessarily good beginning with the uh, like on the day that Lord made the earth in the sky um, God hadn't sent rain yet you know the people were not working um, there was still a deficiency and the story is then you know what God does to to fill that deficiency so okay let's have a spring just well up and water the land right and then let's just create people um, to steward the land. Um, and then the big one is in 18, it's not good that the human is alone. Right? Chapter one, you would have said, well, he created humanity. It's all good, right? But you see this like it's not good um, that human is uh, alone. I'll make a, him a helper that is perfect for him. Is there anything that people observe about like the creation of Adam and Eve um, that they wanted to point out or observe? Adam, Adam, Eve. <laughs> okay. One, one What did you have like? An observation from, or like a <laughs> conclusion from that. I think it's interesting how you were just speaking about the chapter and you know talking about the well springing up, mm -hmm. and, and it's interesting to me because um, I think sometimes when people are trying to define humanity and just God is and who we are as people we kind of approach it a couple of different ways one is like kind of uh, progressive thinking right you know always getting to the next place hmm. but there's also a kind of thinking that um, kind of takes you back right to the original design because when I think of evil in my life yeah. or just you know when I speak with my Christian brothers and sisters that were talking about different life experiences and how God has given them a testimony because they were living a new life through Jesus as opposed to their old ways. A lot of times we're getting right back to the garden, right. getting right back to that those places where the well springs up and where there's a design and purpose and where there's calling into relationship with one another. And, and it's very life-giving. So... <laughs> it's like, no, God, God made it that 
Yeah, and in chapter one, God made people in his image, man, man and woman. I mean, specifically says man and woman in his image. It's not just man is God's image, right? It's man and woman is God's image. And I think contextually, we tend to take our issues. Like I said this about the evolution and creationism. We take our agenda and like bring the argument into Genesis and be like, oh, right creationism or evolution uh when genesis is not it's not a scientific book right it's not even it's probably closer to literature right your english majors probably can appreciate genesis more like it should be appreciated than your scientists right but um um and we also bring in our cultural baggage of oh this is first so it must be better Right? We always want to order things, right? This is first, so this is better, right? You were first in line, so you're better. You're second in line, so you're less, right? We want to, oh, we always want to delineate what's superior and what's dominant and what's inferior. And I don't think the scripture actually lends for that, right? It's not, that's not the intent. The intent is there's an incompletion, right? And God in of himself is relational and mutual, right? led us that it's, he's a trinity and so as adam is alone that mutuality that partnership there is lacking in his in his calling or is being sent out to steward creation there's a there's a missing element and so he needs a helper um and this helper the word actually um god in other places in scripture the same word is used to describe god right so you can't take helper and say, oh, it's helper, so it's second, you know, second rate or second class, right? Because mm -hmm. God is helper as well. And so there's, there's another piece of that. It doesn't say the woman was made in the image of man. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I want to be respectful. I mean, people use this. There's different family structures, and that's find you know how you form your families or, or structure kind of whatever headship or egalitarian complementarian right but uh i just want like what does the scripture say right we, we need to be clear about what the scripture says and sometimes we use scripture to enforce domination right or we read dominion so oh man creation's all for me right I could consume nature. I can consume animals, but it's closer to serve, right? Serve and steward creation, not dominate. And so 
it's a there's a higher responsibility actually just as god gives of himself to create the world we need to give ourselves to creation right to take care of the world around us not just consume it Today's my anniversary, Jan me and Janice's anniversary are 12. And so I, I particularly like Adam's little poem because I like to write poetry sometimes, right? So I, you know, wake up and tell Janice, you're my rib, <laughs> My bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You're my rib. Did she say that was romantic? Yeah, right. <laughs> Not. <laughs> Not. <laughs> No. There's all, I want to encourage you. I mean, we can't do it justice. There's a lot of cool things. So reread it and reread it. It's always good to reread it. Uh, for instance, the word for dust or land is Adama, uh, which is a play on the name Adam for man. Um, and then uh, Ish and Ishta is man and woman. So there's a lot of stuff. But let's take some time to pray um, as corporately as a group. And I encourage you to pray out just praises of God, our creator, and uh, how he's been working in your story um, as, he, as we read about the story beginning, um, the beginning of humanity and a, a story and God's love for his people and people's kind of connection with God and call. Um, let's pray. Um, about how that resonates for us.